What's up, everybody? Joe Sib here from Rad Parenting, sitting across from my co-host, Anaya Bogue. And I just fed Anaya Bogue her first bowl of tuna noodle casserole. It's amazing. We talked about it one night. I know. I wanted it like a couple <laughs> times ago when I was here and I left and I was like, oh, I didn't get my tuna casserole. And then you just mentioned that was like something you happened to have again today. And this well, is literally the first time I've ever had tuna casserole and it's freaking delicious. Okay. I'm telling you right now, uh, every once in a while I go into comfort food mode. Yeah. It was Sunday. I was sitting there with Karen and she's like, what do you, what should we make for dinner? What should we make? Cause it's one of the times during the week, uh, that we try to have dinner as a mm -hmm. family. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard during the week for us to sit down because, uh, you know, my daughter will be like, I got work, I got mm -hmm. this, my son, baseball practice, I'm going to jujitsu, I'm out doing shows, or I'm on the road, or Karen's got everything that she's going. So sitting down on Sunday has been a super, super important thing for our family to do. And even though I say sitting down, it rarely even happens on Sunday, but it's at least a meal that everyone comes down to the table for a moment and at least puts it in their plate and then says, hey, we're going to watch a show together or mm. I'm going up to my room. you know. But like we, we all converge for that. Yeah. You're all eating the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and in this, and I, you know, I, I grew up in a family where we did have big meals together uh, at least once a week. And, and my mom, even when I lived with my mom, we'd have dinner every night, which I loved, but it's so hard mm -hmm. with our family. And mm -hmm. I know a lot of people listening right now, yeah. just with the schedules that everyone's trying to keep, feels like all of us are driving. I mean, if we could eat in the car, we would be always together. Yeah. Seriously. On the 134, we would eat great meals together. Here and and I just want to say like, whatever it takes, try as often as you can, because there's all kinds of research that say that, you know, families that eat together, thrive together, whatever. So um, I think it's great that you're, you're trying and, and I'm and, happy you made tuna And casserole. you know, another thing I want, I want to share too, is that uh, I always feel that people have this perception and this idea and this expectation. We're going to sit around the table and have these great conversations and everyone's going to have a great moment together. Uh, don't make that mistake that I used to make. I used to sit around the table and I would try to even the topics of what we would talk about and hey, why, no joking at the table. And that's funny because my kids are like, okay, dad, you're a comic and you're telling us, you know, <laughs> like, it's time to be serious. Yeah. Be serious while you eat yeah. that tuna meal casserole because we're going to talk about serious things. <laughs> and, and a friend of mine said to me once, Joe, just be happy that everyone is under the same roof and don't have these, and once again, these expectations. Yeah. yeah. And I that think create a lot of pressure. I think when you let that go, mm -hmm. you can see that just having uh, a small meal together uh, in, in, in one evening out of the seven days, mm -hmm. or hey, a lot of times, you know what? I know this isn't the best thing for us. I'm throwing a pizza on the on the table, and we're going to sit around and eat yes. that. And you know yes. what? And I, always, I also say this too. These dinners don't last for hours. I wish they did. If I can get everyone to sit around the table for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, yeah. I'm stoked. It's a win. There you go. Hey, uh, this week's show... Uh, super, uh, I don't know. It, it, what I love about doing the show is we get a lot of emails from our listeners. If you're new to Rad Parenting, uh, all you got to do is email us at radparenting at gmail.com and you can ask us uh, any questions or you can throw out a topic uh, like today's show. This is from a listener that was listening. So good. Yeah, super good. And it's also a show that deals for some of the uh, parents out there with younger kids. It's, uh, it, it, you know, all over the, the show that we've done, it's always teenagers or 
uh, infants. This is more of like, I would say 10 to 12, Yeah. Uh, that fourth grade to sixth grade area. But we'll, but we'll apply, the stuff that we're going to talk through today is going to apply to kids at any age. Absolutely. Folks. So this Absolutely. is relevant for all of us. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Anea. So this is yeah. a mom, a mom of two girls, 10 and 12. And uh, the younger daughter, who's in fourth grade this year, had already had an incident last year in third grade where another, a different boy than the, the most recent incident said to her, um, hey, baby, let's go have sex. I'm sure that- Fourth grade. That was third grade. That's third grade. Okay. Wow. Now, in fourth grade, very recently, um, another boy has said to this uh, 10-year-old girl, uh, quote, I'm going to squish your pussy, end quote. And um, of course, this you know mother is is freaking out, saying what like what what do I do? And has come to us for some guidance. Apparently, the school you know called and got the father on the phone, gave minor details. The father of the daughter. Yes, father of the daughter. Yeah, thank you for yeah. So so the school contacted this girl's father, father the woman who reached out to us, her husband, and just gave a few details. It did not include what if any repercussions or consequences or whatever we're gonna the, the boy was gonna face or what they were even gonna do. About about the situation. So she's now like trying to, as we do as parents, try to figure out how, what is my role here? What is the right thing to do for everybody in, involved? And that's really where, what her question is. Cause she's like, you know, what I want to tell her is to tell this kid, like, you ever talk to me like that again, I'm going to kill you. But she's yeah. aware that that might not be the best Yeah. Advice. Everyone listening to the show right now, they're, they're, they're not going to vocalize <laughs> it, but they're like, yep, I think someone's getting punched. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's hard as a parent. I've been, I've been on the other situation where someone, you know, said something to my daughter when she she was younger. Not to that extent though, but something that definitely scared her. I think it was, I'm going to poop on your head. That way. And it, it, it phased my daughter. Like right. literally couldn't sleep at night because the visual of this young boy saying, I'm going to poop on your head. Yeah. It, it, and my daughter went yeah. there with the visual of like, sure. what, a t- it, this is, this is scary. Yeah. And it was a nightmare uh, for her at that time mm-hmm. in her life. So this particular mom who wrote us this email, one more time, just want to clarify it, uh, got an email from a mother that's kind of navigating right now, trying to figure out how she navigates with this situation uh, that she also mentioned in the email too, and she feels like this is going to happen more. Yes. Now, I don't know if she was alluding to she thinks it's going to happen more because, and you picked up on this, that her daughter might feel, oh, maybe I, I, I flirted with the boy. Maybe, and I, Well, I the, like, the mother said, no, let's get this clear because I, I, I you made a good point. I picked up on a vibe like, and this is just me from sitting across from yeah. you. The first thing I want to tell this mom and dad is they got to tell her daughter this this you did nothing wrong. Right. Something right. something's been wrong. Yeah. So what done she to said you. in the email was I'm not sure if like she's she said she's a really kind girl and she's like I'm wondering like is her kindness being misinterpreted as flirting by this these boys and um it's really interesting that we tend to go there especially about this subject and this is and and there's no judgment no I'm not bringing the hammer down on anybody but we really need to look at this um and Joe when as we were talking about this beforehand bravo as you just said the first thing is it needs to be made clear to this girl that she did nothing wrong it wouldn't matter if she was like being kind or even being flirtatious in any way for somebody to turn around and say, I'm going to touch your body like straight up in any way without your explicit permission. So we've got consent issues here. The bottom line is where we're going to land today is this is a tremendous teachable moment and we're going to talk through how it can become that. I love that you said teachable moment because I really thought for a second you what you said, you weren't going to bring the hammer down, but I felt, oh gosh, here we go. And yeah. is going to drop. <laughs> I'm going to find this kid. No. Yeah. Because 
And I know that you feel the same way. I, I, and you just said it. I do feel it's a teachable moment. And even for the young boy. Yes, like, let's, exactly. Let's get some dialogue there. Yeah. All right. Okay. So you've already in, you've already covered the first step, which is absolutely. So if, if for the parents that are listening, if this if this particular parent is listening, the first thing as soon as possible is to say you did nothing wrong. No one ever has the right to speak to you about doing something to your body that you have not given explicit permission for. That is sexual harassment because it is. That is, folks. If if you don't know, that qualifies one hundred percent as sexual harassment. So, um, so that's the first thing you've done nothing wrong. The second thing is, um, I think it's important for us to all get into the right mentality here that I would, I would offer that if this kid had made a race racist comment that we would immediately, there would be no gray area. We would be like, this is inappropriate. And that's that, is not, that that's is not that is not to dismiss the fact that we've got a whole bunch of stuff like brewing in this country that that demonstrate we are still very much struggling with the whole racism issue. But we tend to be much more alert and aware and, and able to identify racist behavior or comments and to, to have to know what our appropriate response needs to be versus a sexist comment or behavior. So the minute that we go, oh, if this was, if this kid had said, blah blah blah, fill in what fill in with whatever racial slur. This, if he would have used the N word, right? If he had used the N word, let's just say that that would apply in this particular situation. We know right now there would have been a whole different. Yep. Uh, there would have been different conversation with the father or the daughter. That's right. And there would have been way more. We would have known the punishment for this child. I, exactly. Suspended. Yeah. Hey, you can't come to school for three yep. days. Whatever. There would have been something. So I really love how you are bringing up the point. This is how we've gotten into this point of of where we are today with people not knowing what possibly is sexual harassment, uh, what is wrong to say to a woman, what's wrong to say to a man. Yeah. Uh, and right now, this moment, this gray zone you're talking about, of it almost, and, and I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but mm -hmm. by the father getting the phone call and, and not even really knowing what was said mm -hmm. and not knowing what happened to the boy that said mm -hmm. it to the girl, that perpetuates the whole moment that we are living in right now. Yeah. Exactly. And with the kids that you talk to in colleges and high schools. Well, so this, and this is it, is I want to just tell you that we, I have sat down with so many kids now as I've, as I've embarked on this sort of n new, not so new venture of dealing with uh, sexual assault or sexual misconduct prevention. And I hear from young people all the time, like, we want to do the right thing, but we need to know, like, what exactly constitutes sexual harassment? What constitutes sexual coercion? What constitutes assault? We'll do the right thing if somebody talks to us and tells us what these things are. Because you have to know that these 10-year-old boys are absolutely emulating something that they've seen or heard somewhere in the world. And they're probably just practicing with the language. They're probably trying it on. But there's we can't underestimate, and it's very important that we not just go, oh, well, boys will be boys. Or they're too young to know what they're, they're speaking about. Th these, these kids at this age are entering a very important and potent time of development where a, a, a part of their identity as sexual beings is starting to awaken and they need guidance. And, and so that, that's also really important here so that everybody hears and you picked up on it, Joe, that I don't believe the solution here, as much as I am a 100% advocate for this 10-year-old this girl, that this is a teachable moment, not just for 
her to understand I have bodily autonomy, no one should talk to me, but also the boy understanding what he did wrong and not just facing some hardcore like, you don't do that, you're going to be suspended or detention or whatever. And he's just got trauma around the thing and no real guidance as to what was wrong with that and how he could do better. I love that. We're going to hear from our sponsor really quick. And when we come back, we'll talk about what you could say, what possibly... Uh, the teachers, the mm-hmm. family could say to this young boy mm-hmm. to help guide him mm-hmm. so that he doesn't end up like one of these college students or high school students that say to you, Anea, hey, I want to do the right thing. Yeah. I want to know what's right. I want to know what's wrong. Guide me. Oh, yeah. This or can worse. happen right now yes. at 10 years old, which That's is right. an amazing thing so that it doesn't have to, con- this this circle doesn't have to keep perpetuating going and going Yeah, and, going. and so he doesn't ultimately become a perpetrator of sexual assault thinking he's just well within his right as a male to behave this way with with other you know young women. So. It's a teachable moment. You're listening to Rad Parenting. We're going to hear from our sponsor. We'll be right back after this. All right, Rad Parenting, sitting in here with Anea Bogue. My name is Joe Sib, and we are talking about a letter that we got, an email that we got at radparenting at gmail.com from one of our listeners. So the first thing is, and not just to tell the girl, you did nothing wrong. You did nothing wrong. Here's what is wrong with somebody speaking to you that way. And, um, and this is where, you know, if it hasn't already happened, and typically it has not, because the concept of bodily autonomy, which we've talked about before on the show, did a whole show is dedicated not to it. something we teach our kids. It is not something that we were taught. So just as a quick refresher, bodily autonomy is our inherent right, the inherent right every single human being has to have personal sovereignty um, uh, over their body. No one the, the, my shorthand when I teach you know kids of all ages about this is you are the boss of your own body. That means no one gets to speak about your body, speak about touching your body, actually touching your body in any way, shape, or form without your explicit and enthusiastic consent. So there's the first teachable moment for her to attached attached onto that you've done nothing wrong, and here's why. And that's really important because she also, in her formative years, needs to go forward not thinking like, oh, did I, was it because I was, I was kind and this person, like, where, how, did I give the wrong message or, oh, I don't want to make him feel bad, blah, 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 right? So that's the first thing. The second thing is, it is, because this is an enormous opportunity for a teachable moment for everybody involved, my recommendation would be for the parents of this girl to get on the phone with the school and say, we would like you to orchestrate a meeting of us and the boys' parents with the school counselor and maybe an administrator. There can be some prep in advance among all the adults involved, right? So that they're not having a screaming match or whatever with the kids present. But it's really important that this... um, that the parents get together and that they're on the same page. Now, you could, just as a side note, you could very well find out that this boy's parents are like, you know, that's my boy. Like, he didn't do anything wrong. She must have said something to get, like, blah, blah, blah. Tackle it if you can. And this is why it's important to have a trained school counselor in the room or helping to mediate this. Um, but ultimately, I think that it's essential that not only the girl understands the whole concept of bodily autonomy, but the boy also understands. So it's not just here is some hardcore punishment and also not do nothing because that will also not serve this boy. He will think if there is no consequence, he will think that that behavior, because it's reinforced everywhere he looks, is appropriate. He may even think it's a way of expressing his malehood. Um, and so uh, I would 
I would recommend that as soon as possible that that meeting is is created and that really the boy be handed like fed spoon fed here's what was wrong with that here's what we expect you to do better and here's the important part there will be much more extreme consequences if you make this choice again. And that should also be laid out in front of him. Do you, do you think also too that there may be the potential for, uh, I remember when I was a kid growing up and people remember this, that if the boy was like hitting a girl, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, kind of being rough with her, yeah. it meant like, well, he really just likes her. He just yeah, doesn't know how to say it. Not acceptable. So I, I know it's not but acceptable. That's what we used to do. But do you feel that maybe that could even be, um, you said this could be a potential way that he's showing his manhood. Could this also be a potential way that he thinks, yeah, that's the way I start to get girls in conversation with them. I, I say crazy, you know, yes, sexist things to it them. May be. And then it engages him, and then I end up telling him I do yes. like him. So that could also be a potential um, opportunity for beginning to teach young people how to uh, share, you know, hey, I do like you and I want to play with you. I don't want to say- In a way that is- Does that make sense what I'm saying? Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, this idea of any of the sort of the boys, the boys will be boys approach or the- um, like just not not taking this seriously and really making sure he understands why it's wrong and not falling into the, exactly what you just said that, you know, well, if a boy's like, you know, poking you or, or pinching your teasing butt it. or teasing, teasing or whatever, it's probably because he likes you. Because then we're telling the recipient of those comments, in this case, say a girl, that that a way an acceptable way for another person to show that they like you is to A, touch your body without your explicit permission and consent. Um, B, that bad behavior is something like we want to stop this idea of this man box and woman box, which perpetuates a lot of bad behavior on both parts. Let me just say that, like on both sides. And so this is an opportunity to really make sure that these kids know my guess is at 10, unless he is a unusually and highly developed sort of in terms of his, like he's ahead of the curve on his, like his, his journey into puberty, um, he probably is not even saying that from a, a genuinely charged place of like, oh, I really like her. He's probably repeating something and saying, oh, this is how I'm, this is what it looks like to be a boy in the world. This is how boys and girls interact or men and women interact. And so I'm going to try that on for size. Um, so it would just be such a lost, not only a lost opportunity, but it really sets both of these kids up for a future where their expectations start to be formed based on this interaction because the parents in the picture have not explicitly described to them what is wrong with it, how it is unhealthy, and and what the correct way of interacting, correct meaning respectful, healthy, um, and so on. Yeah. Um, before we get out of here, I mm-hmm. have to throw out there being devil's advocate because I, I, could, I could see myself if I was listening to this right now. Mm-hmm. Saying to myself, ah, oh, you know what? I, I don't know. I just don't want to make the effort. Not that I don't want to make the effort. I don't want to make a big scene. And we're we're at this school, and I don't want to, you know, call everyone in. And then I'm going to have an issue with those parents. And then I'm going to see them at the silent auction. And then they're they're going to be weird to me. And then I'm going to see them at drop off and pick up. You know, because that's what mm-hmm. happens at schools. Mm-hmm. You know, tell me mm. the mistake I'm making or the mistake you're making if you don't use this moment as a teachable moment. Okay, so you you we if we say nothing, go, let's take it back to the That's beginning. That's what I'm saying. Say nothing. If this was a kid who had just used the N word, I'm quite confident that most of us would not be like, "Eh, just let it go. It's You're no right. big deal." You're right. And so, by the same token, where this is a sexist comment, 
Um, we need to take it seriously. And and two things I'm going to say. Number one, this idea of like, oh, I don't have to want to have to worry about like seeing them at whatever the PTA meeting or open house and or whatever. You know that in there, from, absolutely. You know, you, and that's those why happen. the approach from the beginning has to be: we understand they're both kids. We'd like to work with you to make sure that both our daughter and your son walk away from this knowing better so that they can do better. I love that. You're not saying it's an attack. That's right. Your son did That's this. You're right. saying, hey, check it out. You know what you're doing? Oh my gosh, I'm bringing it all the way back. You're going for uh, It Takes a Village. Yes. You're saying, hey, yes. check it out. We all live in this village. Yep. And two of the villagers had an exchange. Yes. One of the villagers said something. The other villager took it in, came home. Can we sit down and just talk? Because- we, we all got to live here. We That's all got to right. get through it. And I, oh my gosh, when you say that way, I just realized that totally diffuses the situation. It does. Because the alternative, if the minute that you take an approach that's going to put somebody on the defense, it's done. There's no, you don't have the same spaciousness and the same investment from all parties that, oh, we're working together. We don't have to be, we're not under attack. Nobody's telling us we're terrible parents because our kid made a choice to say blah, blah, blah. Um, and hopefully you're dealing with a, like pick it, if there's more than one counselor at your school, pick one that you know, like either you have some rapport with or you know feels seems competent to help mediate this this situation. Um, and then and then the second thing I'm going to say is, just to, to reiterate, but really directly, is not addressing this, not taking it seriously, not seizing this opportunity to guide both of these kids with having an understanding, her right to bodily autonomy, his understanding, respect for bodily autonomy, not using sexist language, et cetera, et cetera, could actually save these kids from deeply damaging experiences in their future. So it is the absolute responsible thing to do as parents. When we do a show like this, and we've done them before, I love all the episodes we've ever done, but every once in a while we have an episode like this. It is so nuts and bolts, parenting tools. I love it. Yay. Because you really walk away with, wow, okay, I get why this is important. I get why I have to do something. Yeah. I hope our listener uh, got as much out of it as we did. I, I, I think she did. And I really appreciate people taking the time to write us these type of emails because this is how the rad parenting community really continues to grow, uh, getting a chance to answer these questions, especially about a heavy topic like this that is so right in front of our face. And it seems that uh, a lot of mistakes, a lot of hurt uh, can be avoided if we just tackle these issues right away mm-hmm. instead of sweeping it underneath the rug. Yes. And I think, you know, on that, on that note, just one thing popped in my head and I don't want to leave without saying this because I can also imagine you're always good at anticipating what the, the, you know, what listeners might be thinking, but I would say that by, in the same way that we shouldn't let this go because it's sexist and not racist, by the same token, if your son comes home and says a girl in his class was saying things that, you know, are in the same vein, that is also not like a pass because it was a girl saying it to a boy and he also shouldn't get the message that he has any less bodily autonomy because he's male um, or, you know, so so this is not a gendered, you know, because it was a male and this person saying it to a female that that makes it more potent or important than if it was going the other way around. So this is for parents of sons too that might be on the receiving end of this. Yeah. And you know what? I think it's important you said that. Good point. Good point. Hey, I want to thank everyone for listening to Rad Parenting. I want to thank our listener for taking the time uh, to write us this email. You can always email us at radparenting at gmail.com. You can also text the word parenting 
to 313131. Uh, keep those reviews going too at iTunes. We appreciate it so much. Uh, the better the reviews and the more that we get, it also puts us uh, up there uh, where more eyeball, eyeballs get to check out Rad Parenting. Uh, all, one more time too, welcoming all our new listeners. Uh, very, very exciting times here at Rad Parenting. Anaya, thank you so much. Thank you for the, I mean, I'm supercharged by the tuna casserole. I think that's what made it just like, boom, I was just hitting it hard because almost, of that tuna casserole. I, I almost wonder, should I, uh, should I post uh, our recipe? Yes. Should I do that? It's so good. Is it? It's got so many different textures. Like I personally love it. I, I think, I think maybe if Karen's willing yeah. or you're willing, yeah, I, I think it'd No, be you know what? You know what? Um, we've never posted a recipe. <laughs> Because I always, I I think when we started Rad Parenting, we were like, you know, we don't want to be the like, how to make crafts and cookies during the holidays, (laughs) followed by a tuna noodle casserole the first day of spring. But you know what? I don't know. I'm going to throw it up. Tuna noodle casserole. I will post it on our Facebook page. All right. With all that said, my name is Joe Sib. And Anaya Boke. We're out of here. Late.